Well, good morning. So glad to be here with you this morning. As I mentioned to you last week, uh, Ray Kolbacher, our senior pastor, his wife Margie and their son Corey are in Israel uh, with a group of people from Parkview. In fact, they're actually in Tel Aviv uh, right now. Later this evening, they'll get on an airplane and they will uh, fly back. They'll be back here uh, tomorrow. So you can be praying for Margie uh, because Ray uh, does not like to travel or fly. Uh, and he's a horrible, horrible uh, passenger uh, to sit by. I've sat by him many times on an airplane. And so you can be praying for them, the flight crew, everyone. Um, uh, and he will be back with us uh, on Monday. So this morning, we are going to look at a couple of passages, three to be exact, uh, that may be familiar to some and brand new to others. These passages are important ones in Scripture because they paint a before and after picture of what transformation, what a transformed life looks like. We use that word transformed or transforming or transformational a lot around here, maybe too much, but it's an important word to us. It's what I want for my life. I want to be transformed. It's what I want for my kids. I want my kids to be transformed. It's what I want for my marriage. I want my relationship with my wife, Margie, to be transformed. And it's what we want for you, that every person that walks in these doors would be transformed. The word transformation means to make thorough and dramatic change. To make thorough and dramatic change. And I get that that definition feels dramatic. But it's an essential part of growth, this thorough and dramatic change. Change is hard. I have experienced a lot of change in my life. Some of it, great. Most of it, really hard. I've experienced a lot of moves in my life where I've been uprooted from places that I loved and relationships that I loved and moved somewhere else hard. I have a transformative relationship with food, and as a result, I have a skinny side to my closet, and I have a chubbier side to my closet. I have had transformation in my own life where I have sought to be emotionally more present and healthy in my life, and I've sat on the couch of a bunch of therapists over the years to transform what is on the inside to make it better and good as it comes out. In parenting, no two days look alike, and it requires a dramatic and thorough change. But change is never easy. Transformation was never intended to be easy, but it is essential. Without change, we make no progress. Change, transformation is a necessary part of growth. 
Every year, my eldest daughter, uh, every year for the last three years, she and I have traveled to daddy-daughter camp. We travel to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which is essentially Canada. Um, And so we travel all the way up there to experience camp together as father and daughter. And it is a transformative experience. It is in the middle of nowhere. There is no cell service, no electricity, and no running water. Who's in? But last year during our swim time, on the last day of camp, there's, everyone is swimming in the river. My daughter loves to swim in the river. But it was our cabin's turn to go to the climbing wall. And she did not want to go. Our entire cabin had already left the water. They were on their way. And I said to Abby, I said, it's time for us to go to the climbing wall. And she said what 10-year-olds from time to time will say, no. (laughs) To which I said, okay, everything in me wants to say, all right, let's just stay right here, hang out, let's have fun in the water. But I believe that there was a moment that I needed to illustrate for her that as friends and as Christians from time to time, we have to sacrifice what we want And we have to show up for others. And so I said, honey, you don't have to climb, but we're going to go to the ropes course. And she reaffirmed her belief that she was not going to go to the ropes course. So I made a decision in that moment. I said, well, I'm going. And I got out of the water, and I grabbed my towel, and I walked towards the cabin very, very slowly. Constantly checking the rearview mirror to see if she was coming along, and she was not. She was not. And so I got all the way past the cabin, and I got onto the trail, headed towards the ropes course, and she was still not behind me. And I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be a colossal parental failure. And I sat down on a tree stump, and I just started to pray. I said, God, please, help me win this battle. Because I want her to see others as more important than her own desires. And I looked up. She was still not coming. And so I grabbed my stuff, and I started to head back to the cabin. And just as I turned the corner, I see her walking up the path. And together, we walked all the way up that path to the ropes course, and we didn't say one word to each other all the way there. And when we got there, I said, honey, you don't have to climb, but we have to stay here while our cabin does. So we sat down on a bench, and we watched the girls climb the ropes course. And it dawned on me in that moment that she was remembering last year when she tried to climb the pamper pole and got scared and had to come down, and she didn't want to relive that experience. But she saw her friend get all the way to the top, And she was inspired in that moment. And she said, Dad, I want to climb. And I said, let's go. So we suited up, and we got her up to that halfway point in the pamper pole where she freaked out last year. And she said, Dad, I'm done. I'm ready to come down. I said, no, honey, you're almost there. you got to keep going. 
She found it deep down inside of her, and she climbed all the way to the top of that pamper pole, and she sat down on the top of that thing, and we made eyeball-to-eyeball connection, and there was a smile on her face and a smile on my face that lit up the place. And then she decided she wanted to stand up on the pamper pole. So she stood up with a little help from me on the rope. She stood up. I'd never been more proud. She never been more proud. And as she leapt off of that pamper pole into what was literally my arms as I held on to that rope, her life was transformed. My life was transformed. But it was literally hell getting there. That is transformation. And it is not easy. But it is essential for growth. And so this morning, I want us first to look at Matthew chapter 7. We're going to go old school today, and I'm going to ask you, ask you to grab a Bible. Hopefully you brought one. If you didn't, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you. If you don't have a Bible of your own, I want you to steal one of ours. Take that home with you. Make it your own. Matthew, if you're not aware, you open the Bible to the middle. You start thumbing pages to the right. Eventually, you'll hit Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 for a few moments. It's a familiar passage, but an often misunderstood passage of Scripture. Jesus is talking to people who had gathered around him. And in verse 7, he starts by saying, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, this passage is often misunderstood to be this point of salvation where those who don't know Jesus stand back and they're knocking at the door and they're asking and God shows up and meets them. But in reality, he's speaking to people who have already chosen to follow. And we see in verse 7 and in verse 8 and in verse 9 and in verse 10 and verse 11, we see this word, ask. And in this moment, this passage, we are seeing the beginning of transformation. And for some, that beginning of transformation happens the moment we say, I want to follow Jesus. But for others, like myself, it happened years later in the journey where we began to ask questions of God. And our relationship with God changed. And how we approach Him changed. The passage says even beyond the ask, we're to seek and we're even to knock. Essentially, this passage is saying we are not to stay put. That this journey is not a stagnant one. That we are to actively engage to, as we would say in Texas, wrestle with Scripture and wrestle with God. Confident that God will give us, as this passage points out, good things. 
The picture is this, that we are to stand at the door of God and knock, continuously, fervently, energetically knocking until God answers and opens the door. And this passage promises that when He does, goodness comes out. That because He is a good, good Father, He gives good things. That is the beginning of transformation. But Jesus doesn't leave us there. He goes on in verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. He's essentially saying, because of this, because you've knocked, I've opened, and good stuff has come out to you, your response to that is to go and do to others as you would have them do to you. And this sums up the law of the prophets. In other words, this is wisdom. It is a good and wise thing. But a couple of things need to take place. If you're going to then receive all that is good from God and turn that out into the world, then you have to know yourself. You have to know your position in Christ. You have to know who you are if you're going to expect others to treat you in the same way. That is change. And that is difficult. Knowing yourself is not something that we spend a lot of effort and energy on. But it is essential to your journey with Christ. To be able to look in the mirror and say, you are somebody that God has created. You have been made in the image of God, uniquely wired and gifted to do something in this world. So you have to know yourself. But you also have to know others. Now, if you've been around here any sort of time, you know that we are passionately committed to loving the others in our community. And so you have to know who the others are. And when we do, when we have a healthy understanding of who we are and a healthy understanding of who the others are, we live the transformed life. <clears throat> Essentially, transformation, walking around. So the first requirement of transformation is to ask. Is to ask God, is to seek God, is to knock at that door, trusting that what is behind it is good. But there are some other steps to the process as well. And so if you will, turn to the left in your Bible, to the book of Jeremiah. And starting next Sunday, we're going to do a series out of the book of Jeremiah. It is a powerful book. The, the series is called Formed. And it is going to be a powerful series. But I picked one verse out of Jeremiah. It's in verse chapter 31. And it's verse 3. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. 
This is God talking to the nation of Israel, to his chosen people, and he's saying, the Lord, they are saying, the Lord appeared to us in the past, and what God said to us was, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you back to me with unfailing kindness. The passage goes on to say, I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again, you will take up your timbrels and go out to dance with the joyful. Again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. He is saying to the nation of Israel, I love you, and I'm going to rebuild you. I'm going to transform you. You will have joy. You will plant a new vineyard, and you will enjoy the good fruit that comes from that vineyard. So if the first part of transformation is to ask, is to seek, is to wrestle with God, then the second part of that is to believe that there is goodness in God and to believe that that goodness is rooted in His love for you. The belief that God is a good God is at the very core of the Christian experience. Now, I get that some of you might argue with me that there are other essential things to the core of Christianity. But in this day and age, in our culture, in this place in time, the understanding and the belief that God is a good God and that His love for you comes from a place of goodness is a very powerful truth and one that we do not fully embrace on a day-to-day basis. So the first step is to ask. The second is to believe that God is good and that His love comes from goodness. There's a third part to transformation, and it's found in 1 John. don't have to turn there. It's going to be real brief. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. I do this thing uh, from time to time with people. It's called a life plan, where we spend two days together, and we look back into their life, And then we look at where they are today and we look at what it is that God might have for them in the future. And in every one of those, every life plan that I have done, there is a moment where the individual is faced with their identity in Christ. Who am I to Jesus? In other words, what does Jesus think of me? And this is something that we do not wrestle with enough because Jesus sees us as his children. We are children of the living God. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know of each of your stories, but I can tell you that my understanding of an earthly father is twisted and wrapped up in pain and agony and sin, and it is not an accurate picture of the good, good father. 
And so often I bring that to my relationship with God. But what stands behind that door, if you are bold enough to ask, to seek, and to knock, is not a father that is flawed or broken or operating out of a place of woundedness, but a good and perfect God who has great love for you. So the third aspect of transformation is committing to living the life of a child of God. To ask, to believe, and to commit to living a life of a child of God. And in that, wrapped in that, is the notion of surrender. My youngest, Piper, is a very affectionate, very physical child. She loves to be embraced. She loves to be held. And her worst time of the day is when she has to climb into her bed alone. And about two or three nights out of the week, she'll wake up and she'll make her way to our room. But she does not come alone. She comes with a menagerie of stuffed animals like this, many of which have bells in them that wake up the entire house as she walks down the hall. But she comes to us with all of that baggage. And as her father, everything in me wants to say, go back to bed. But most nights, her mother says, come in, be with us. And all the stuffed animals are laid bare. You and I show up this morning with a backpack full of stuff. History, story, baggage, sin, abuse, joy, happiness, fear, anxiety. We show up with that. And living as a child of God requires that we take that backpack off and we lay it at the feet of our Father. A Father who's never going to reject that moment a father who's never going to push away at that moment, a father who's never going to look disappointed at you in that moment, a father who's going to say, give that to me. I will make it light for you. That is transformation. That we move from a place where we don't understand, where we don't, we're living in our own world, we're afraid to ask, and we move towards this idea of knocking at the door believing that what is about to happen is good and comes from a place of love, and then we commit to living the life as a child of God, chosen, adopted, beloved by God. That's transformation. That's our desire for you. That's God's desire for me. But it is not easy it is not simple, and it was never meant to be so. It was intended to be difficult. It was intended to be a challenge. It was intended to be meaningful. And when we do it, 
what is opened up in us is the ability to love ourselves and to love the world around us in the name of Jesus like never before. Father, as we come before you this morning, we're humbled. We're humbled by your love for us. We're humbled by the fact that you are, in fact, a father who loves his children. And that we can show up this morning with whatever we have, with our arms full, with our fears, with our anxieties, with our stresses. We can show up with all of that and we can lay it at your feet and we can trust that you are good and that your love will be heaped upon our heads this morning. Will you give us the courage and the strength to live our lives knowing our position in Christ, that that of a child would you allow us the strength to sit at your feet and offload our burden to you? I promise we'll give you the honor and the glory because we can never do any of these things without you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to spend a few moments worshiping, singing, And in this moment, I'd like for you, if you can, to posture yourself as that of a child. The child of a God that loves you, that is perfect in every way. Would you find it in your heart, in your mind, to position yourself in that way? And in this moment, put at his feet that backpack of stuff that you're carrying today. Find it inside you to see God as the perfect, good, good Father. So whether you came here this morning, understanding God in those terms as your defender, as your Father, or whether you came in here with a different perspective of God, it doesn't matter. Because that is the beginning of transformation. The ask, the seek, and the knock. For some, this morning, today, you came in here not even understanding what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to ask you, is today your day? That you would step off of that pole. That you would jump into your Father's arms. Is today your day? And if it is, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to, if today is the day you're saying, I want to follow Jesus for the first time, then I'm going to have you pray this prayer with me. And then we'll wrap up our service. So if that's you today, if you're saying, I'm ready to jump into God, my good, good Father's arms, pray this prayer with me. Father, I come before you this morning and I confess to you that I cannot live this life without you in my life anymore. Will you come and be my good, good father? Will you love me? Will you care for me? Will you give me the strength to lay it all down at your feet? Will you forgive me? 
be my Savior. Amen. If that's you this morning, if you prayed that prayer, would you just do me a favor? Would you take the bulletin you were given and on that tear-off card, would you just give me your name and maybe your email address and say, today was my day because I'd like to just follow up with you this week. Will the rest of you stand and we're going to pray for you as we leave this place this morning. There are folks down here that would absolutely love to pray with you. If you've got something great to celebrate or you have a need that you'd like to share, come down and pray with these folks. They'd love to do that. Father, as your church leaves the building today, will you give us the strength and the courage to live as children of the living God? Will you give us the courage to lay at your feet our burdens, our stresses, our anxieties? And will you give us the strength to not pick them up ever again? I pray for these folks that you give them a great and powerful week. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Have a great week.